from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On this Palm Sunday, we celebrate the return of the King. And the King who was thought to be lost, and the King is looking for his lost subjects. How many of you have seen the TV show Lost? Best TV show ever. <laughs> ever. If, if you haven't seen it, quick synopsis. There's a plane crash. There's people stranded on this island. And they're assuming that the searching party is going to find them within a couple days. And the days turn into weeks. And they realize they are not going to be discovered. They are lost on this island in the middle of who knows where. But as the story continues, you discover that they're, just not, they're not just lost geographically. They are lost emotionally. They're lost in their relationships. And they are lost spiritually. They are lost in every sense of the word. And in our text for today, in fact, the whole chapter of Luke chapter 15, everybody's lost. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally lost. And so Luke 15, chapter 1, starts out with these words. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told this parable. So I want to ask you, who's lost? Who's lost? From the context, it's clear that the, the Pharisees are, are lost. They, they don't get it. They don't understand Jesus. They're not sure why he's there. They don't get his purpose. They are lost. But the tax collectors and sinners, they're lost too. They're just lost in a different way. See, some people are lost, and they know it. And some people are lost, and they don't know it. Which one's worse? I found out the hard way a couple weeks ago. See, we, we were driving back from the Grand Canyon and uh, spent a couple nice days down there driving back home. And I'm driving, and we, you know that drive. It's the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around there. And there's, if you miss your, your turn, you're, you're stuck. And I was on Highway 160, and I knew I needed 191. I turned on Highway 191, and I saw this sign. I saw this sign. There you go. 160, 191. I turned. Little did I know there's 191 south, <laughs> and then a mile up the road is 191 north. As you can tell from the sign, it doesn't say north or south, it just says 191. So I turned. 30 minutes later, I see this dilapidated building. It says Lutheran Mission. I say to my wife, look at that. There's a Lutheran Mission out here. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, that sign's really big. I don't remember seeing that coming down to the Grand Canyon. About a minute later, my wife says to me, and she points at the you know, little display, it says the temperature and what direction you're going. <laughs> and she says, shouldn't we be going north? And I look up, there's this big S. I'm like, you know, I think you're right. 30 minutes back the other way. 
Now, if we'd never said, saw that, if my wife hadn't said anything, I'd be down in Mexico doing a mission trip right now. <laughs> Just doing my thing down there. Because it's definitely better to be lost and know it than to be lost and not know it. And so Jesus tells this story about sheep. He says there's a guy who has 99 sheep. 99! In that day and culture, this is a lot. One commentator wrote, he says, most people would have like maybe 10, 15 sheep. That would be common. 99 is a ton of sheep. This is a wealthy, wealthy man who owns all these sheep. And he finds out that one of them is lost. And surely he's not the guy who lost the sheep. Because he's hired someone to watch his sheep. He's got 99 sheep. You know, you hire that job out. But this guy's lost one of his sheep. So he personally leaves the rest. And he will find that sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he brings it home. And he has a party. And he celebrates because he's found his lost sheep. It's an odd story. It's not like he needs that sheep. He's got plenty of others. It's not like he can't hire someone out to go find the sheep. In fact, send the guy out who's responsible, who lost it in the first place. Now this guy will go out personally, and he will find his sheep. Because he loves them. When he finds that lost sheep, he throws a party and celebrates. Now, have you ever had the experience of explaining something to someone and the person nods their head but you can see their eyes and you're like you don't understand a word I'm talking about right? <laughs> this past week my son Timmy asked me to explain the word analogy uh, well son an analogy is like and I use an analogy to explain the word analogy which is a lousy word to define the word analogy it's, he's, he's looking at me like I don't understand what you're talking about dad so Jesus tells another story. And my guess is it's because he's looking at the, the audience and they're not understanding. They, they don't get it. So Jesus says another story. It's about a, a lady, a widow. A widow in that day and culture would be someone in dire circumstances. She is poor. And not just poor, she has really no hope of things getting better. And she's got ten coins, she loses one of them. Now that's significant. If you're that poor and you lose that much, that's costly. And she searches her whole house, overturns table, and maybe a bed if she has one. She's looking everywhere. And then she finds it and she tells her family and friends, rejoice with me. Because what was special and valued and important has been found. Apparently, they still don't get it. <laughs> Jesus' audience is nodding their heads, you know, but they don't understand. <laughs> and so Jesus tells the parable we talked about last Sunday, the parable of the, what's called the prodigal son, or as I like to call it, the parable of the lost sons and the loving dad. Jesus goes there. It's a story about a father who finds his son who's been lost. And sometimes we still don't get it. 
So I'm going to tell you another story. I've told this one before, so if you were here that Sunday two years ago, I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> it's about my son, Tim. Tim's here. So, Timmy, I'm very, very sorry. I will pay you a fee for using the story. You get money for this one, okay? Because I'm using you in the sermon. 50 cents? Okay, all right, good, buddy. <laughs> Tim was about five years old, and we were at Disneyland. Not just our family... We had everybody with us. We had my cousin and his wife and his three kids. We had my two nieces were with us. My mom was with us. So we had eight kids and five adults, which you would think would be enough adults to keep track of eight kids. <laughs> and we're walking through Disneyland. It's very, very crowded. And we said to each other, we're going to go ride the Haunted Mansion. And we're kind of walking through Disneyland to get on the Haunted Mansion ride. And, and someone says, I have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, when you're in a group of people, if one person has to go to the bathroom, then five people have to go to the bathroom. So we kind of make the turn. And when, if you've been in Disneyland when it's crowded, you have to plan your turn to get through the crowd, you know. So we plan the turn. We get through the crowd, do the bathroom thing. I'm outside waiting. And my wife says to me, where is Tim? I said, oh, he's with Steve, my cousin. Because I saw Tim walk in with Steve into the bathroom. At least I saw the, the back of his head. Did I mention my, my cousin's son looks just like my son from the back? <laughs> same height, same color hair, everything. Steve comes out of the bathroom. He's got his son with him. I said, where's Tim? He said, he's with you. I said, oh, we're in trouble. And we're talking quietly right now because my, I'm hoping if I turn around, I'll find him and I'll never have to tell his mother that I lost him. <laughs> but my wife is kind of like, you know, smart. <laughs> and she says again, where's Tim? I don't know. I don't know. Lost him. So we think, well, we were going to the Haunted Mansion. Maybe he knows where that's at. Maybe he got himself there at five years old, maneuvered himself through Disneyland to a ride. So I run over to the Haunted Mansion ride. And there's a, just a big line. And I don't see him. I'm, kind of, I'm going through the line. Sorry, sorry, people. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's not there. I run back to where our family is. And I tell everyone, he's not there. And panic sets in. And they start, <clears throat> everyone's calling his name. Timmy, Timmy. I'm like, grab a kid's hand. We're going to lose five more kids. And then we're looking for one, right? <laughs> we're grabbing kids' hands. We're walking all through Disneyland. Timmy, Timmy. There was a, a flower planter next to a light post, and I stood up on it to get a look over the crowds. I'm shouting my son's name. And as I'm doing this, I can see in the distance uh, security from Disneyland. And he's doing this to me. <laughs> get down. Get down. And he gets closer, and I said, I can't find my son. And he says, you stay right up there. <laughs> What's he look like? Tell him what he's wearing. He, he 
radios that in. He goes, you stay up there and keep looking. We're going to keep looking too. I'm up on this light post. Five minutes becomes ten minutes. And around that time, all those things you don't want to think about happening to your, happening to your kid are running through your mind. I see more security coming into the area. And I'm praying, Lord God, find my son. Find my son. About 15 minutes later, I see a different security guy. And he's doing this to me. So I get off the light post. I run on over there. He says, we found your son. He had gotten to the haunted mansion. He got in the line, saw we were not there, and figured he had lost us, and we were up ahead. So he cut through the entire line, got on the ride. You know the elevator part that takes you down? He gets in the elevator and goes down. You know how I know this? is because when we found him, every single employee at the ride said, Hey, Tim, we found your folks. Good job, buddy. <laughs> we find him, and he's, he's sitting on the steps of the haunted mansion. And there's an employee, uh, one of the ride operators, is sitting right there with him. And we walk up. And Tim, he's just, he's just sitting there. We see him. My wife starts crying. My mom starts crying. My cousin's wife starts crying. And we found our son. We found him. In the middle of a throng of people, our son's been found. And we were so happy. When God finds you, Heaven throws a party. When God finds you, there's no better joy in heaven. And the angels rejoice. Because what has been lost has been found. And there's nothing better. So we learn a few things from this. Following Jesus means loving whom he loves. When we follow Jesus, we love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves to find people who are lost. Jesus loves to find people who don't know him yet. If we follow Jesus, we love that too. We have a passion for it. We can't help but do it. And the second thing we learn is that Jesus really loves people who don't love him. That's the harder part. Be honest. Going to Cuba to tell people about Jesus is easy. It's easy. Going next door to tell your neighbor about Jesus, that's hard. Because you may not even like your neighbor. But God loves your neighbor. God loves your coworkers. 
God loves your friends. God loves your family. God loves them. He loves you. Some of you are here, and you're here investigating who Jesus is. You're checking things out. And we're so glad that you're here. And the message today is God loves you and will do anything to find you and win you back. Some of you are here and you've known Jesus for a long time. Some of you started this church a long, long time ago. God wants you to love what he loves. To find those who are lost. And some of you are going, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can love people I'm not sure I even like or don't even know. Take a lesson from the Disneyland employees. They didn't know my son. They have no idea who he is, what he's like, if he's a good kid or not, he is. But they dropped everything to find him. For that 15 minutes, that became the most important part of their job that day. There was security from other parts of the park at that place. And their most important job for that 15 minutes, maybe for the entire day, was to find my son. And then we get on to the ride place, and there's someone there sitting with him. She had another job, but she left that job to sit with my son. Because for 15 minutes, that became her most important job. And for the rest of the ride operators on that ride, they covered for that lady who was out of commission for 15 minutes. And they all covered for her. Because we went to Tim, we said, okay, Tim, we take it you want to ride the Haunted Mansion. We're going to ride this ride. And we get on the line, every ride operator we passed. Hey, Tim, welcome back, buddy. Welcome back, Tim. We got to the Doom Buggy part. And the guy there is like, okay, Tim, you can come on now. We're like, Tim, did you make it this far? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Their most important job is to take care of the one who is lost. Church, our most important job is to reach out to those who don't know Jesus yet. And after they do, to take care of them. To wrap them in our arms and say, you are loved. And our Savior died for you and rose for you. Friends, we're all lost. And God invites all of us to be a part of finding. Sometimes it means going, and sometimes that means sending. And tonight, we're going to have this dinner and silent auction, and we're going to send some folks. It's fantastic. I know many of you have been praying. And I know many of you have been praying for our safety, which I appreciate it. Thank you very much. But I want you to pray something else. I want you to pray that our hearts will be broken. I would like you to pray that we would weep over those who don't know Jesus yet. That we'd weep over those who are lost and know it, 
and those who are lost and, and don't even know him. I'd like to pray that for the team that's going to Cuba. And then I'd like to pray that for us as a church. And then, if you're bold, if you're really courageous, I'd like to pray that for those, for yourself, that you would weep of your friends and your families and your coworkers who don't know Jesus yet. Because Christ died for them. He's dying to know them. The power of the Holy Spirit, you can make that happen. It's not to be loved what Jesus loves. We love those whom Jesus loves. Because God loves you. Amen? Amen. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts. No. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, break your hearts. Break your hearts so you might love whom he loves. Amen.